0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. And joining me today is author Diane Rosenfeld. Uh, Her new book is The Bonnebo Sisterhood, Revolution Through Female Alliance. Harvard Law School professor Diane Rosenfeld has made it her life's work to address the problem of patriarchal violence. And after years of advocacy, she found the secret to revolutionary change in an, an unlikely source. The bonobos are closest evolutionary cousins. These animals have done the unthinkable. They have evolutionarily eliminated male sexual coercion, and they did it by forming female alliances. Now, Diane Rosenfeld introduces a framework that promises to achieve something equally profound for human society, to collapse the scaffolding of patriarchy. Drawing on the lessons of her legal and policy work, she powerfully argues against our current set of timid and disjointed solutions to the myriad problems of patriarchy. Her breakthrough research has appeared in The New York Times, Washington Post, Glamour, and her op-eds have been featured in The Washington Post, Boston Globe, Chicago Tribune, Harvard Crimson, and more. Welcome to the show, Diane. Great to have you on.
1: Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. Great to be here.
0: Uh, interesting. Uh, we have an, uh, that the bonobos uh, are much farther along in the evolutionary uh, <laughs> scale than we are. Uh, and I've always liked watching those little animals when I watch National Geogra- Geographic shows and stuff. But uh, so how how did they do this? It seems to me that we're going in the opposite direction. I mean, we right.
1: right. Yeah. So let me. So yeah. I pronounce it bonobo, but the pronunciation is perfectly fine. And okay. let me explain how it works, how how the okay. female coalitions work with bonobos. Okay. So bonobos for for those of you who might not be familiar with them are they look like chimpanzees and they were thought to be a species of chimpanzees but they're actually separate evolutionarily, but they they're about the same size and they share 98.7% of human DNA with us, which makes us, their very close evolutionary cousins. We are as related to them as we are to chimpanzees, but they're so much less well-known, so it's very interesting. But here's the thing with bonobos. If a female was aggressed upon by a male, she would let out a special cry, like, and all the other females within air shot come immediately to her defense, and they instantaneously form a coalition and they fend off the aggressive male. And sometimes they bite his ear, sometimes they send him into isolation, and then after a couple days or longer, he'll come back, they all make up, and then he's part of the troop again, but he's not aggressive. He's learned his lesson. And evolutionarily, they have eliminated male sexual coercion. And that sets them apart from all other primates. All other primates use male; The males use sexual coercion over females as reproductive resources. They control the reproduction of females. I don't know if that sounds familiar to any humans, but this is a really, really interesting model. So after years of working on legal policy to stop male violence against women, like domestic violence, homicide, and campus sexual assault. I learned about bonobos and this amazing power of coalition and their different social order and became fascinated. So this book is the product of all of that.
0: All right, so we've, in, in, I guess my question is, how do we duplicate this kind of behavior? I mean, uh, what you're saying is we need a sisterhood of females who will come to our rescue, who will be on our team, and not, I think, uh, depend on males to... uh, Help us to get rid of this patriarchal uh, behavior that you've described. How do we, as, yeah, so how do, from a practical sense, what do we do? How do we, yeah?
1: I would say that it's not how we duplicate the behavior, but how we let the behavior inform us as humans. I'm not suggesting that we adopt all behavior exactly like bonobos, but I think that they represent the possibility of a social order outside of patriarchy and the possibilities that they demonstrate are just amazing. Like what can happen outside of a patriarchy? Um, So the basic lesson of the book is that women need to realize how, how divisions among and between each other are artificial, and they totally weaken us, and we need to come to one another's aid however we can with whatever resources we have to protect one another from sexual coercion. And we, the bonobos teach us that you come to another female's aid, and when I say female, I mean anyone who wants to challenge the patriarchy, really, and you come to her aid whether you know her, whether you like her, or whether you're related to her. And, and that's where we have the really important lesson to learn, because we think we see someone, and instead of coming to her aid, we judge her. And we think, well, if we, just, if we just abide by the rules of patriarchy, if we're just good girls, we'll achieve safety. But we won't. No one is safe. The numbers on sexual violence in human culture are staggeringly terrible. You know, around the world, one in three women will be subject to sexual coercion
0: or assault during her lifetime. That was in uh, a few years ago in India in, in uh, Mumbai and they actually have special trains for women because if they're on a train with men uh, it's very likely they may become assaulted. So right. you actually and, and go
1: on. Yeah. You know that, that that's maybe a partial answer in some circumstances but the better answer is to really explore what will happen when we start thinking about other, other females, other women and girls as our allies, and we just start experimenting. And the experiment actually starts with your own head. And, and you're a social worker, so you will, and your, and your audience hopefully will appreciate this. But women and girls are taught to judge themselves so severely. So it's like right in between your ears is where you start. And you stop judging yourself so harshly and stop judging Yourself in terms of how attractive you are to men, and stop judging other women and girls. And just instead of like looking at them and judging them on their clothes, their appearance, you say, "Well, maybe I wouldn't have, you know, made that fashion choice, but she has the right to wear whatever she wants, and I will defend her right to do so." So,
0: rather you know, than re- relating, and you mentioned division. That we relate to one another, or this women relate to one another based on what divides us, and we need to relate to each other on what brings us to get, together, makes us allies. We need to be allies, no matter how different we are.
1: Right, right.
0: But it starts so, when we're, yeah, because I want to ask you, we, I mean, this starts when we're very young. They set us up, they, I'm not sure who they are. Is it your mother or your father or who is it or your teacher? They set us up for this in our, let's start just in our culture to judge each other like from the beginning. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And, and the judging. So it's, I don't think it's an intentional act on the part of society. I think that, you know, we live in a patriarchal social order and To criticize that or to inquire about that or to really question it doesn't mean that I'm saying that men are terrible because they impose patriarchy. Men suffer in a patriarchy too. But patriarchy in itself is the product of male-male alliances. And law is a product of patriarchal agreements. And laws, especially like our U.S. Constitution, was made by white-propertyed men and in their agreements about what constitutes civilization, women are nowhere, but in another sense, they're everywhere because it was the agreements between men of how they would rule over women. So, like, the idiom that a man's home is his castle is actually a legal principle, and it's traceable through even our current domestic violence laws. Where we don't intervene, what I mean is men don't intervene in other men's violence and other men's control of their family unit, because the law really made men as kings of their own castle. So if you want a very short legal history lesson, it used to be that, according to Blackstone's commentaries, that if a man killed his wife, it was legally the same as if he had killed a stranger— if a woman killed her husband, it was an act of treason for which she would be put to death. <laughs> Think about that.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, You were I, really king. Like, yeah. It's an act of treason. You are king of your little fiefdom and your house, your castle. And it, like I said, it really has repercussions today. It's, it explains a lot of why police don't intervene in domestic violence still. So we need to just get out of patriarchal thinking. We need to just really get out of the whole maze, get out of the whole trap, and think differently and explore for the first time the power of female alliances. We need to, like, take all of the energy from the Me Too movement, you know, where people were finally speaking out, and put it into something. And the vehicle for that is the bonobo
0: sisterhood. Bonobo sisterhood. I like that. But uh, Getting out, and the last comment you made, getting out of patriarchal thinking, that's, uh, and this is, I don't want to appear negative, but that's so many thousands of years of patriarchal thinking that's so difficult to do. I mean, as you just described, you know, legal, uh, emotional, all of those kinds of things. So it's, it's, not that we, sh- we we definitely need to be doing that, but what about, let's get back to the legalities of some of this. We- women now do not have a right to choose. Oh, I mean, can we put that in the context of all of this? I mean, that is, a, to me, a horrific legal situation that we're in. I mean,
1: can yeah. you comment on that? So, yeah. Yeah. No, you're completely right. So I think two points. Um, the first is the, idea about getting out of patriarchy, even though it has been, you know, thousands of years of our history, the short circuit around that is about safety and the question of relying on men to come to your aid. And that doesn't work for women. And we train girls on a playground. If, if a boy is harassing them, we train them to call the playground supervisor while we train boys to stand up and fight a bully. And that difference right there, I think, is is really representative and important and symbolic of what happens later, is that we don't learn, as girls and women, our own power to defend ourselves and then to defend one another. And we rely on what, you know, a male protection racket But the problem with the male protection racket, the idea that men are the protectors, that men are the legitimate speakers of the language of violence, is that that gives them the power to decide who among us is worthy of protection. And the bonobos show us that we're all worthy of protection. They seem to act on a principle that you can't abuse her no one can, has the right to pimp my sister, is what I call it. And then the second thing is everybody's my sister. But it seems like the bonobos act on that principle. Nobody has the right to harm my sister or abuse her or coerce her. And then everybody's my sister. And you act on that principle, and things will start to change. So it's about protection. Now, about reproductive autonomy, I mean, it's mind-blowing how patriarchal that decision was and our so our society is right now and it's also really interesting how forcefully we're talking back to that like in, in the midterm elections so there are a lot of bonobo sisterhoods all over the country now trying to protect other women and their reproductive autonomy and we need this on a much larger scale But I think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, but we're still reacting. I
1: wrote a whole preamble to a bonobo sisterhood constitution. We start there. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, that's a good place to start. That's great. I I also just want to give you one more example. This is a personal example, kind of about what you're talking about, but it's kind of a plus for um, what you're trying to achieve. I mean, when my kids grew up, and there was the, the we we told children that if you ever got in trouble or you ever got lost or you were in a situation, you know, where you weren't with your parents or and an adult, always go to a woman for help. Never go to a man. Mm-hmm. And, be, and that was, the, the, you know, that's that was sort of what they told them in school, uh, because you're going to be safe with a woman. And chances are, if you go to a man, you may not be i think ninety seven percent or ninety five percent i don't know the exact statistic of uh, uh, child predators are men not women
1: right right that's a sad that's a sad fact and mm-hmm. you know when you i work a lot to prevent domestic violence homicide, and these homicides are you know ninety plus percent men killing their families and themselves yeah, i'm not not ninety percent of them kill themselves but in In murder cases, it's always been more than... It's about 85% men committing murder, and when women commit murder, it's in self-defense. So, you know, abuse definitely works in all... You know, appears in all gender relationships. Not in all relationships, but I mean in in all different permutations of relationship. But the um, lethal violence which is really, really important, um, occurs overwhelmingly by men. And that's, you know, that's terrible. And it's also you know, like my mom has caretakers and they're all, they're all female. We wouldn't think of hiring a male. And that's really unfortunate. But maybe that'll change in the next generation of bonobo sisterhood where the men realize that sexual coercion isn't necessary to be sexually active like, here's how it works in bonobos, and this also relates to reproductive autonomy. If a male bonobo um, initiates a sexual encounter with a female, if she's not equally interested and enthusiastic as he is, he goes away. But they also, the males are successful in 70% of their initiations. So it's not the end of sex at all to be bonobo. It's the end of unwanted sex. Yeah, it's a new beginning. And that will make a a huge difference. You know, if we end unwanted sex, we resolve a lot of the reproductive autonomy questions, right?
0: Right. Yeah, I want to go back to the bonobo who, when he was aggressive, I think you gave that the first example, that uh, the, the, the females surrounded the female who was being attacked and they bit his ear and then he walked away or, and came back and had, or comes back and has completely changed his behavior. I I mean, that's a, can you, have have you, do you witness that? Have you witnessed that?
1: Um, I've read about it a lot. I've not, I've not seen the bonobos in the Congo, which is the only place they are observable. Um, Ashley Judd, who wrote the introduction to the book and who herself is a bonobo goddess, um, she does go and observe them. And I've, I've read you know, a ton of research about it, and that's, that's what happens. Sometimes they bite a toe if it's a very bad offense, um, and the, the male will go into isolation, and then he comes back and they all groom each other, and they're very sexually active, and they use sex to diffuse tension, um, often before they share food, and they they work it out.
0: Yeah, because I think one of the things that that one hears is that you know testosterone promotes that aggressiveness, and you see this aggressiveness and from the beginning in little boys, um, and little girls play differently. They 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 don't. Um, they're not as aggressive. They're not as physical uh um and you know the estrogen the is it's a, a very different because they have estrogen and the little boys have testosterone and that you can see that from you know a toddler in terms of their behavior um how does that fit into this picture
1: um so it, it it's a combination it's nature and nurture and i'm not essentialist about it at all um and the idea that men might be more aggressive because they have testosterone is a factor that can be accounted for in establishing a society instead of having that factor be the center of the entire society. Like our society is kind of built around the idea that men cannot control their own sex drive and that we don't hold them accountable for it. And that's, completely a flawed principle so men might have a different sex drive than women but you account for it in a civilization and you know going back to the constitution and and as an illustration of how laws were made by men they can't be shoehorned retroactively to fit women in as equal citizens And I don't even think I have to make that argument because it's it's so obvious now, like especially with the Dobbs case. But even before that, women had no right to challenge male sexual violence at the highest level of our law in the United States, according to the Supreme Court. They struck down the, we had a federal civil right to be free from gender-motivated violence that was part of the original Violence Against Women Act, and the Supreme Court struck it down, and they said, oh, no, 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 we can't have something that big that will just disrupt entirely all judicial relationships.
0: No, and then Diane, they, they ruled you know,
1: that... Sorry? No, go ahead. Oh, and, and then they ruled that a woman doesn't have a right to enforcement of her order of protection. So we we need a new system, is what I'm saying. And I think it will be beautiful and exciting to see what emerges when women just start to imagine the possibilities and start to act on behalf of one another, no matter who we are. Well, if we
0: change the laws, uh, uh, we still have to, I guess, we have to change attitudes. Harder to, sometimes it's harder to change the attitudes even when the laws have been changed. Um,
1: right. Just, and, and that's yeah. why I was saying it starts, it yeah. starts with, your, with what happens in between your own ears is like starting your attitudes and starting to just, if you can get people to stop judging, like consciously to stop judging and replace the, the thought in your head when you see another female and you judge her, just replace that thought immediately and say, nope, she can wear whatever she wants to wear. And then just think of her as a sister and watch out for distress, for signs of distress. And if you hear a bonobo call, you act and, you know, the one thing you can do right away is find five people that you know and create a, a little bonobo sisterhood and just explain it or get the book and have each other's number on an app on your phone. We're trying to develop an app along these lines. But in the meantime, you could use like a WhatsApp and and have a circle that you can call if you need them. I
0: think that's a a, a great idea. I want to ask you because we only have a few minutes left, but what about you personally? When did you come, when did you come to this realization? I mean, not just when, obviously the book is a new book. So at what point did you realize or feel maybe that what's between your, in your head that you're judging other women and that this is not a good thing and this is not helpful to you or to, to other women? And in, um, at what point? Yeah, that, I don't, I don't,
1: I'm going to answer the question a little differently because yeah. that's not um, how it happened with me. Um, there were two things that kind of changed my thinking about this. The first is when I met Professor Richard Wrangham, who was the head of the Anthropology, Human, and Evolutionary Biology Department at Harvard. And he's the one who taught me about bonobos. He's the author of a book called Demonic Males about the evolution of male sexual coercion and violence. And that's how I started thinking differently in developing a framework of getting out of patriarchal violence. And the second thing was, a couple years later, a student of mine was being harassed by an ex-boyfriend, and I was developing, like, theory on the Bojoba sisterhood, and she and four other students and I took a self-defense course with the Harvard University Police Department. And it was completely life-changing. And when you take self-defense, you learn from the outside in and from the inside out that you have a self-worth defending. And then it makes you much more able to envision and act upon the idea of protecting your sisters. So the pivot of the book is is chapter six, which is called a self-worth defending. And that really changes your thinking in, in a, a great way that just gets you out of like all this patriarchal and legal analysis that we can do for the next 25 years, or we can just act in a different direction under a different framework and try something new.
0: Great. The bonobo system what's going I... on
1: now is not working.
0: Yeah. what That's, Definitely. We know that. It's (laughs) not working. We have to make a change. Start with your book, The Bonobo Sisterhood, (laughs) Revolution Through Female Alliance. And uh, we've been talking to the author, Diane Rosenfield. Thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. That was fun.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.